Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. A young woman sits across the table from a detective in the Highland Heights, Kentucky Police Station. Interview room 116. Your name is Shana. Shana Huber. The right to remain silent. Anything you say can't be used against you in a court of law. She's wearing a red sweatshirt and she absentmindedly plays with her brown hair, pulled back in a loose ponytail. After giving her Miranda, she said that she wanted an attorney, and I pretty much quit asking her questions. She started talking. Detectives aren't trying to find out if Shana Hubers killed her boyfriend, an attorney from Cincinnati. Shana's already admitted to shooting him that night, multiple times, as she says, in self-defense. And he had put his arm across the table and had it in my face and was screaming at me at the top of his lungs after he had thrown me around the room. What investigators want to know is why and what led up to his killing. Would her claim that it was self-defense hold up or did something else happen that night? This week on Killer Cases. Oh, I killed my boyfriend in self-defense. There was no doubt about who pulled the trigger. This wasn't a whodunit. The question that was left for all of us to decide was the why. This case was about two people who never should have gotten together. I thought that she was clingy. I thought she was a girlfriend that couldn't let go. He had a new love interest. That's what sent her over the edge. There were only two ways he was leaving his condo that night, either as Shana's boyfriend or in a body bag. For Vault Studios and the Law and Crime Network, I'm Brian Ross. This is Killer Cases, the podcast. Did you know that parents rank financial literacy as the number one most difficult life skill to teach? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app for families. With Greenlight, you send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and keep an eye on your kids' spending with real-time notifications. Kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. And parents can rest easy knowing their kids are learning about money with guardrails in place. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Brian was the most laid back, easy guy you'd ever meet. He was a very good lawyer. Ryan Poston's friend Adam remembers the young Cincinnati lawyer fondly, a talented attorney who looked the part. You always have to look professional. You have to look like a lawyer. He thought that it was important. In October of 2012, Ryan was dating a college student across the river in Kentucky, Shana Hubers. Defense attorney David Eldridge would eventually get to know Shana Hubers well. Shana Hubers is a very talented woman. She got through school in three years. She had a scholarship in music. She had a lot going for her. Zachary Walden would later join David Eldridge on Shana's defense team. He added her as a Facebook friend after he saw some photos from her from spring break. Assistant Commonwealth Attorney Kyle Byrne says her relationship with the affable young attorney was important to Shana. For Shana, this relationship was everything. And having Ryan on her arm sure looked good. 
telling people that she was dating this 29-year-old attorney who had his own firm in Cincinnati sure sounded good. Shana and Ryan dated on and off for more than 18 months. But the relationship was rocky, and a trail of text messages documented a troubled romance. And ultimately, it would leave Ryan Poston dead on his apartment floor. In the days leading up to his murder, Ryan was pulling away. She communicated to her friends that she was losing him that she thought it could be real this time. We found countless instances where Shana Hubers would show up at his apartment, somehow get in, and be laying naked on the couch when he came home from work. Prosecutor Michelle Snodgrass says Ryan just wasn't that interested anymore. She tried everything she could from a sexual perspective to get that interest. It just wasn't working. He had finally found the strength to say he was done and he had a new love interest. That's what sent her over the edge. That new love interest was a former Miss Ohio, Audrey Bolt. On the night he would die, Ryan and Audrey were supposed to go on their first date. I think Shana Hubers would have been upset if Ryan Poston was dating anybody else, but when you throw into the mix the fact that this was a beauty queen, I think that really sent her off. She had downloaded a picture of Audrey when she became Miss Ohio, downloaded that onto her computer just hours before Ryan was shot and killed. It all came to a head just after 8 o'clock on a Friday night at Ryan Poston's apartment in the Cincinnati suburb of Highland Heights, Kentucky. Highland Heights Police Chief Bill Birkenauer. We later found out that she had called her mother first. She made the statement that she waited 15 minutes to call the police. I don't know what would have happened had she stopped right then and called 911. He may have still had a chance. I'm not a murderer, man. I just killed him. What, what, what happened exactly? What happened? And then the call ended with this astounding admission from Shana Hubers. Because he was twitching and you knew he was going to die, so you shot him again? Enough to make sure he was dead. 
that because he was twitching so bad and I don't want to play there and twist. So you shot him instead of calling 911? I did because I knew he was going to die anyway. A few hours later on that October night back in 2012, Shana Hubers sat across from Officer David Fornash in an interview room at the Highland Heights Police Station. After giving her Miranda, she said that she wanted an attorney, and I pretty much quit asking her questions. She started talking. I don't have any serious injury that I could have had, and I shot him in self-defense because he's done stuff before where I've hit my head on the headboard and could have died. She didn't like to be in there by herself. She wanted someone there the whole time to hear her side of the story, to hear her talk. It's really messed up that we had to get into a physical fight and that this had to happen, you know. And if I could go back and go over again, I would rather have my head beat into the coffee table. Uh-huh. Highland Heights Police Chief Bill Birkenauer. We were obviously ready to listen and wanted both sides of it. And, you know, at this point, did we have enough information to know if there had been a past of any type of abuse? That night, we didn't know that. At one point, she said he, he picked her up and threw her across the room. And then he drug her out and threw her out the door. You know, there's going to be some red marking, some kind of bruising, something that would indicate there was, was some struggle. There was nothing like that in this case. And her account of a struggle in the apartment did not match the crime scene photos. Nothing was disturbed on the table. The bookcase had bullets standing on end, had pipes, like smoking pipes, had um, books. Nothing knocked over. And then Shana began to recount her version of Ryan's final moments. Prosecutor Michelle Snodgrass watched the interview from a back room with Chief Birkenauer. And I continued to find myself shocked by the harshness of her words, kind of a flippant nature. I shot it once and didn't shoot again for a while. But I was watching him die. It was so painful to watch him die and to know that I had done that. Mm -hmm. That I just walked around the table and shot him where I knew he would die immediately. Bill and I turned to each other and said, did we really just hear that? Did she really just say that? But then perhaps the strangest part of the interview yet. When left alone, Shana begins swaying even singing to herself. Over the years, I've seen people who have been in shock. I've never had anybody tell me that someone pirouettes when they're in shock, that someone sings when they're in shock, that somebody snaps their fingers and says, I did it, when they're in shock. I did. Yeah, I did. She was desperate to tell her story, to have people hear her side. She wanted to get that all out there. And I really think in her mind, Shana thought that everybody would just buy it, that none of us were smart enough to see beyond the facade. For prosecutor Michelle Snodgrass, it seemed like a slam dunk case of murder. And at first, that's just what happened in August 2015. Shana Huber's guilty of murdering her boyfriend, Ryan Poston. The jury recommends 40 years, an emotional day for the family of the man shot to death. But the story does not end there. One year later, in August 2016, a crushing blow for the defense and Ryan Poston's family. Well, it was discovered that there was a juror who um, 
had sat on our first jury who had previously been convicted of a felony offense. Under the law in Kentucky, if you have a prior felony conviction, you are excluded from serving on a jury. Shana Huber's conviction was overturned, and the judge ordered a new trial. Prosecutor Kyle Burns. There was disappointment on our part, but the real struggle for us was the pain for Ryan's family that that closure was torn away from them, that that peace of mind was torn away from them, and that they were going to have to undo whatever healing they had done and live it all again. At the Kentucky jail where she had begun serving her 40-year sentence, Shana Hubers was jubilant. Now she had a new chance to tell her story, a new chance for freedom. This was her last chance. We had no idea what direction her defense was going to go. We had no idea what she might take the stand and say. We knew all bets were off. Please be seated. Shana Huber's second trial begins in August 2018. Okay, at this time the court calls upon the Commonwealth to commence opening statement. Kyle Burns presents the opening statement for the prosecution. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, Brian Poston was alive for each of the six shots that Shana Hubers pumped into his body. He was alive when she shot him here, 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 and here. And he was alone, except for the woman standing over him, gun in hand. His murder, her. Shana's young. She's attractive, she's articulate, she's well-dressed. The jury walks in and they see this girl and they might not think, looking at her, that she's capable of something like this. And that's why it was so crucial to give them the picture of who she really is. You're gonna come to see that she is jealous and she is calculated and most of all, ladies and gentlemen, she is manipulative. Someone who would go to the ends of the earth to get her way. Because in her world, what Shayna wants, Shayna gets. And what she wanted more than anything in 2012 was Ryan Poston. There were only two ways he was leaving his condo that night. Either as Shayna's boyfriend or in a body bag. For the new trial, Shayna's family hired a new lawyer. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. David Eldridge of Knoxville, Tennessee, has a strategy that doesn't rely on self-defense, but instead on her state of mind that night. Our approach was to focus more on the extreme emotional disturbance. Kentucky's murder statute says if you kill someone, intent to kill them, that it's murder unless it's done under extreme emotional disturbance for which there's a reasonable cause. For Shana Hubers, it's a last chance to plead her case. If the jury believes her, she could be convicted of manslaughter instead of murder and be out of prison in a few years. We were running a, a, a manslaughter defense. You'll hear terms like borderline personality, post-traumatic stress disorder, psychological outcomes, and how those are expressed in her experience and behavior. And Shana Huber's defense lawyer paints a much different, darker picture of Ryan Poston than the jury had heard from the prosecution. He is in a very dark mood, is very upset. Not too long after she arrives, he's 
writes into her verbally, critical of everything there is to be critical of her about. Her mother, her family, her education, where she's from, her appearance, vile comments to her, verbal assault. And you will hear about how he looked, how his eyes were frightening, scary, dark, burst out the door and physically attacks her. Or slams her arm into the door, physically attacks her. The prosecution begins with disturbing evidence of the crime scene, Ryan Poston's bloodied undershirt. And testimony from the first officer on the seat, David Fornash, who says he saw no evidence of a struggle inside the apartment. What would you have expected to see if there was a struggle over top of the table? I would have seen things knocked off the table and knocked over on the table. Was it? No, ma'am. Was anything knocked over? No, ma'am. One last question. At any point in time, when you were with Miss Hubers, did you see tears? No, ma'am. But for the prosecution, there's no stronger evidence than the video of Shana Hubers in the police station that night, played for the jury on the very first day of the trial. Her lawyers try to put the best face on it, saying it supports the theory of emotional disturbance. I think it's just bizarre behavior brought on by the stress of what she's gone through and her own psychological condition. On day two, the prosecution calls one of Shana's girlfriends, Dr. Christy Euler, a dentist with whom Shana exchanged some damning text messages about Ryan. Ryan's been begging me to ask if you could do his veneers. But please F them up and make him ugly so he'll never get another girl. I hate him. And what's the next exchange between yourself and Miss Hubers? When I go to the shooting range with Ryan tonight, I want to turn around, shoot and kill him, and play like it's an accident. On day three, when the prosecution calls the former Miss Ohio, Audrey Bolt, to testify, she describes the relationship as just developing beyond Facebook friends. Did you ever meet Ryan Poston in person? No. Based on... Cyber communications, how did he strike you? Funny. Funny and smart. Defense attorney Zachary Walden sees it as an opportunity for the prosecution to test Shana in court in front of a jury. To be frank, I think that Miss Ohio was called as a slap in the face to Shana. I think they did it to get under Shana Huber's skin. I really do. Shana Huber's lawyer uses the beauty queen's testimony to show how Ryan was two-timing Shana. Do you recall that he told you that he had plans to watch the vice presidential debate with his parents? Yes. Now, did he tell you that he was also watching the debate with his girlfriend? No. Our position at trial was that he was sending a lot of mixed signals as to what his desires were uh, in terms of a relationship with Shana Hubers. She had been invited to his parents' home. Uh, which she took as a signal that their relationship was going to move forward. And that obviously is not what he had in mind, apparently. On day six, the prosecution introduces a dramatic new witness, a salesperson at a local mall where Shana had gone shopping in the hours before she shot Ryan Poston, appearing to be upset. 
Did you learn by listening what that individual was upset about? She found out her boyfriend was seeing somebody else. She was just very, very upset, and she was kind of saying how she was going to kill him multiple times. Can you say that again, please? I was talking over you. Multiple times. The prosecution closes its case with testimony from women who had been cellmates in jail with Shannon Humers and said she admitted making up a story that Ryan had raped and physically abused her. What did she tell you? About the rape and the abuse. Um, that it did not happen that night. Nothing further. Now, Shana Hubers and her lawyer, David Eldridge, have to make a big decision. Should Shana take the stand the following morning? Shana Hubers wanted to testify, and that's her absolute right to do so. But if she does, prosecutors will be ready with an aggressive cross-examination. On day seven of the trial, the defense starts strong, questioning neighbors who lived in Ryan Poston's apartment complex. They seem to back up Shana's claim she had been abused months before by Ryan. This summer, kid came to my door and was crying, and so I let her in. And um, she had like a red mark on her arm right in here, maybe about the size of a handprint. Okay. And I said, what happened? And she said that she had gotten into an argument with Ryan and he picked her up and threw her down in the hallway, out of his condo. I told her that she needed to call the police. Central to the defense case is a diagnosis that Shana Huber suffers from a borderline personality disorder, a diagnosis delivered by psychologist Dr. Thomas Schacht. My opinion is that at the time uh, she shot Mr. Poston, 2012, Ms. Huber's psychological condition was seriously abnormal. And you also learn that the effects of borderline personality disorder are, are most intense in the early to mid-20s. And so she was at a particularly vulnerable time in her life. Okay, your next witness. In order to run that defense, it was, for all practical purposes, necessary for Ms. Shana Hubers to testify. Stop. I call Shana Hubers. Ms. Hubers, are you nervous? Yes. Did he sleep last night? Not at all. I don't think I was surprised that Shana testified because we knew that she had to try something different. And for the defense strategy to work, to prove she shot Ryan Poston six times because of an emotional disturbance, she has to testify about the most intimate issues in their troubled relationship. There were continued issues throughout the relationship about the issue of orgasm. And how did you respond to that? I, I tried to please Ryan to the best of my ability. How so? Um, he wanted to try different things and he ordered different things off the internet to achieve, to help me achieve orgasm. It was something we just had to talk about. She obviously knew that would have to be a part of our discussion. It was not something that she relished by any stretch of imagination. It was not something I relished, uh, talking to a group of 
uh, strangers about such personal things. Was there any other thing that Mr. Poston encouraged you to do in relation to your ability to forecast? Yes, sir. And what was that? He wanted me to obtain a G-shot injection inside of my vagina, and I'm sure nobody knows what that is. I didn't know what it was. Um, it's a collagen injection inside of your G-shot, inside of your body. There is no doubt that they tried to imply that Ryan had been emotionally abusive to Shana. There is no doubt that's where they were going. He screamed at me, you're a up person, and you're a up person because you're, you were touched when you were a little girl, and that's why, that's why you can't orgasm, and that's why I can't love you, and that's why no one will ever be able to love you. And then her dramatic version of what happened that night at Ryan Poston's apartment, a violent argument over breaking up. I remember trying to stand up where I was sitting on the floor, and Ryan pushed me back down by my chest. He, he put his hand on my chest and pushed me back down onto the floor. And I was, I was crying, and... I was hysterically crying, and I recall Ryan standing over me and grabbing the gun that was sitting on the table and pointing it at me and saying, I could just kill you right now and get away with it. Nobody would even know. How did you react to that? I was... I was shocked, I was afraid. I didn't understand what I had done to deserve any of this. Okay, tell ladies and gentlemen the jury what happened. He set the gun back down on the table and he walked around the table and he was still, he was still talking and he was still saying hurtful things. I don't remember exactly what and he was, standing up from the chair and he was reaching across the table and I don't know if he was reaching for the gun or reaching for me but I was still sitting on the floor at this point in time and I got up off the floor and I grabbed the gun and I shot him. Commonwealth attorneys Michelle Snodgrass and Kyle Burns are ready for the cross-examination. Well we prepped for years for Shana Hubers to be cross-examined. We had spent seven years Seven years, we had been pouring through this material. Michelle, Cheryl, and I, and Bill Birkenauer knew this case so well that no matter which direction they went, I knew that we would have something to fight. And it kind of all culminates in that one moment when you actually have the ability to cross-examine the murderer. Hard for you isn't a true man when things end in a way that you don't want them to. Sure, it's, that's difficult for me. The prosecution uses some of the thousands of text messages between Shana Hubers and Ryan Poston to challenge the claims that Ryan was the sexual aggressor. If you would read those messages. What was the reason that you gave Mr. Poston for asking him to initiate sex with you? I said I didn't want to force myself on him. Anymore? 
Was that also on there? Yes. Yeah. Anymore. You didn't want to have to force yourself. It's actually judge to the system. I'm sorry. I was withdrawn. Thank you, ma'am. And then another text from Ryan DeShanda to show he was not the callous brute she had described. What did he say? Tell the jury what he said to you. Um, I know you did, and I really appreciate all of it, but it really makes it that much more apparent to me that you should probably be pursuing a relationship with one of those guys you were telling me about a couple of weeks ago. Okay. It is always, always nerve-wracking to have a client be cross-examined no matter the circumstances. Especially when the question turns to that tape of Shana Huber's in the police interrogation room and her disturbing attempt at humor over the bullet she fired into Ryan's face. And I will never forget when she said that she gave him the nose job that he always wanted. Gary Bain, one of our last conversations we had that was good was that he wants my best friend as a dentist to do with the mirrors and wants to get a nose job just that kind of person. And I shot him right here. I gave him his nose job he wanted. Nothing with Shana surprises me. Any chance to be heard? I think there are true people that are sociopaths, that have no concern, no empathy for anyone else. And that's what I thought I was looking at. The prosecution wants to show she was coherent throughout, hardly crazed or out of her mind. I don't. I don't think that what I did was necessarily like, completely wrong, you know? I'm not saying that my statements weren't coherent. I'm saying my, my mindset wasn't completely coherent. But there were some things throughout the course of your statement that were consistent. Okay. And seeing him twitch and it being painful for you was one of those things that was consistent and said by you over and over again. I said that. And because you didn't want to watch him die, you shot him more times, in your words, to the point where you knew he was dead. I said those things. Is that similar? To what people do? When they see an injured animal? Objection. Sustained. Withdrawn, Your Honor. Please disregard that uh, question. Nothing further, Your Honor. She treated him no better than roadkill. Shot him and put him out of his misery. On day 10 of the trial, both sides present their closing arguments. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, we will begin closing arguments. And by rule, the defendant goes first. Ladies and gentlemen, the jury... We have told you the truth about Shana Hughes. Good, bad, embarrassing, humiliating. Certainly we wanted them to go into the jury room thinking that Shana Hubers acted that night under an extreme emotional disturbance for which there was a reasonable cause. Degrading her own self-worth. I can't love you. No one can love you. You can't orgasm because you were touched as a child and no one will ever love you. At that time, physical and verbal assault on this year. And it's against that backdrop that they end up on opposite sides of this table. 
with a gun on the table. Shana's condition combined with Mr. Poston's actions combined to create that extreme emotional disturbance, and thus she was not guilty of murder. Ms. Nutgrass? Yes, Your Honor. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. He's burning in hell, and it feels good. Those are her words, not ours. Shana Hubers has proven herself over and over and over and over again to not be trustworthy with her actions or her words. She will lie to get what she wants. Just like what she said before, I'll go to the ends of the earth to accomplish my goal. She shot him in the head. What kind of a person is it that raises the gun again and aims and fires again? And if celebrating Ryan's death isn't enough to show you that she danced, that she came from evil or malicious purposes, how about this? I did it. I did it. I don't know what could sound more malicious than that. The celebration of taking another person's life. My job was to make sure that the jury knew that once we cleared out, all the lies. And once we focused on Shana's words, the crime scene, and the history in this relationship, that they would see that there was no other choice but murder. The trial lasts 10 days, but the jury takes only five hours to return a verdict. Probably would have felt better if they were out longer. We were beyond nervous, sick to our stomachs. Anything other than a murder conviction would have been a devastating defeat. All right, Is what you have, the jury's verdict, in your hand? Yes. Okay, would you give that to the bailiff, please? We, the jury, find the defendant, Shana Hubers, guilty of murder under instruction number five. But the real drama is yet to come. When the murder conviction came back, that was great and all, but that was just the first hurdle. Now it was time for sentencing. In Kentucky, when an individual is found guilty of murder, they can be sentenced to 20 to 50 years or life imprisonment. That was the range that the jury was given. And prosecutors feel anything less than the 40 years she had received in the first trial would be a defeat. We all agreed life was the goal this time. Not a murder conviction, not 40 years. It was life this time. Prosecutors call Ryan Poston's family, his sister and parents, to make sure the jurors understood the grief and emotion that the family still feels, even years after he was murdered. Are you related to Ryan? Ryan's my brother. Explain to the jury what you have with you. Because I'm 30 years old, I don't need to bring a teddy bear up with me. Um, this teddy bear was made by Jay's sister. This is Ryan's shirt. Ryan's father, Jay Poston, then addresses the court. It is daunting to know that I've got another 30 or 40 years on this earth, God willing. I'll have another 35 or 40 Christmases without my son. I had my grandchildren stolen from me. I will never hold my grandchildren. She has decimated my life and many other lives. Ryan had a heart of gold. His, his goodness literally got him killed. His kindness got him killed.
and then Shana's mother. Understandable emotions from both sides for the posted family and for, uh, for her and, and her mother uh, in particular. I still remember her mother just in, in agony on the stand, pleading for her daughter, as any parent would. Shana, as I said, is my only child. My child's life has also been taken. Her family also grieves. I'm not lessening or taken away from or trying to say that I don't understand the grief of this family because I do. Both beautiful young people, both talented. Thank you, Ms. It takes the jury only a few hours to reach a decision. And do you have the verdict form? Yes. Would you please give it to the bailiff? Thank you. We, the jury, fix the defendant, Shauna Huber's punishment for the offense of murder at life imprisonment. That was what this was all about. That simple word, life. When the jury came back and they read the recommended sentence of life, that simple word was a moment that I don't think many people in this courtroom will forget. There were tears, there were hugs, and there was gratitude. So was there justice? How do you get justice? for a life that was taken far too early. Killer Cases, the podcast, is a production of the Law & Crime Network and Vault Studios. You can watch Killer Cases on the A&E Network and the True Crime Network. Refer to your local programming guide for full details. Brian Weiss, John Ford, and Will Johnson are executive producers with Vault Studios. Reed Redmond and Will Johnson produced and edited the podcast. Killer Cases, the television series, is written and presented by me, Brian Ross, and produced and directed by Rhonda Schwartz. Executive producers are myself, Brian Ross, and Rhonda Schwartz with Ellsworth Productions, and Rachel Stockman and Dan Abrams with Law & Crime Productions. Also, thanks to producers Sam Kelly and Jennifer Tinter, and editors Danny Hilton and Nick Teodori. Killer Cases is produced in partnership with Cineflex Rights and True Crime Network.